Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Amen. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you made a choice to come to the house of the Lord today. We're going to start a brand new sermon series called Hot Topics. And where this came from is several weeks ago, I asked you to tell me what it is that you'd like to learn. What are some things that you'd like for us to teach? And by far, uh, I mean, it really wasn't even close Uh, You guys told me that you wanted to learn about the book of Revelation and end times and what happens after all of this wraps up. And I have to tell you, as as a young teenager, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was very interested in those things. I was very interested. I heard... I heard words that I had never heard before once I started going to church. Words like rapture. I had never heard that word. And I heard my grandmother talking about it. And I'm just going to tell you, to a 14-year-old, that's a little freaky. The idea that, you know, we're going to just go away, just vanish. And, and, and see, that was during that time. See, we're very fortunate. We have very cool Christian movies now. At that time, they were awful. They were cheesy. How many remember going to like a youth retreat and seeing these horrible Christian movies and they just, you know, they're flying on an airplane. They just just disappear and their clothes are laid out perfectly. And and you're just like, is this really the way it's going to be? So I was very interested in that. And obviously you are as well. Because this is the thing, one of the things that you guys said you wanted to learn about. So this that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. Now, I'm just going to just give you a little disclaimer. At the very beginning here, uh, uh, there's going to be a little of this that's going to seem a little academic, and I need to tell you this. The most important thing I'm going to say today is going to be in about the last six minutes of this sermon. So I need you to tune in with me today. I need you to just to focus, and, and I, I just really feel like if, if we'll work together this morning, we'll get something out of what I believe God's laid on our hearts. So... Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at those things that have to do with end times. Theologians call it eschatology. In other words, this, it's the study of prophetic scripture and end time things. And so I, I'm just going to tell you right now, let me just, let's do a quick straw poll. If you found some of those scriptures in God's word that deal with end times and, and permission to speak freely here, you found them a little confusing. Just slide your hand up. They're supposed to be. Well, maybe confusing is not the right word because God's not the author of confusion. But I think they're supposed to be cloudy. In other words, God gave us these, these terms and these events in very figurative language intentionally because... As you're going to see over the next few moments, it's not really about an event. So here we go. We're going to talk about end time stuff. We're going to continue with our disclaimer. Here's what you need to know. End time scripture 
Revelation, Ezekiel, much of the New Testament, really falls into three categories. First is things that we know. Things that we know. And I can see already you're looking down, looking where your blanks are to fill in. You don't have any today. I know that's freaking some of you OCD people out a little. And and so you're just going to have to uh, just take your own notes because this is just a little different. Things that we know. Look at somebody and say, things we know. Things we know are areas where we have specific biblical instruction. For example, we know Jesus is coming back to this earth. How do we know that? Because he said so. Okay? That's how we know. In fact, in your bulletins, John 14, 1 to 3 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If If this were not so, I would have told you, (coughs) excuse me if this were not so what i've told you that i'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready i will come and get you so when's jesus coming back when everything is ready why hasn't jesus come back till now because everything's not ready so you can somebody says how do you know when jesus i know exactly when jesus is coming back when everything's ready When everything is ready, I'll come back and get you so that you will always be where I am. So we know that Jesus is coming back. So the first category of things is things that we know. Okay? The second category are things that we believe. And and this is very close to things that we know. But things that we believe, we may not have specific instruction But when we look at the New Testament as a whole, or the Bible as a whole, there are things that we can deduce from, for example, the word rapture doesn't appear in your Bible. It's not there. Don't look for it in your dictionary. It's not there. We can believe that there will be a catching away of the church because all throughout the New Testament, there are hints about a time coming where the church will leave the earth. So we can, we can believe that there will be a rapture, a catching away of the, of, of the church. Okay? Things we know, things we believe, and here's where we get in trouble. About those things that we think. There are those things that are we speculate from Scripture. For example... We think that the rapture takes place before a tribulation period begins. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We think that. Our, the denomination that we're attached to teaches that. It's part of their declaration of faith. But truthfully, it's cloudy. It's things that we think. And here's where we get in trouble. Where we get in trouble is when we try to move things that we think into that from that category to the things that we know category shall i give you an example you knew i would wouldn't you look at this first this first little deal here this is a book cover from 1987 88 reasons why the rapture will be in 1988 it was it sold a lot of copies in 87 not so many in 89 truth see somebody took something that they thought and tried to sell it as something that we know hey i think the rapture's coming in 1988 
but we don't know. Okay? Look at, the, look at this next one. The end of the world, October 21st, 2011. How did we miss that? And here's the interesting thing. People think that just because you attach a scripture to it makes it legitimate. He wrote Ecclesiastes, is that 4 and 5? A wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. It has nothing to do with this. In fact, I looked at this, at this website, ebiblefellowship.com. There were no apologies. There were no, hey, we really missed this billboard. It was, it was, we were way off. All right, look at the next one. Save the date. The return of Christ, May 21st, 2011. We missed that one too, didn't we? I looked at that one, wecanknow.com. We can know. But guess what? No, you didn't. You didn't know. Look at the next one. Judgment Day, May 21st. Now, these guys were a little smarter. They didn't attach a year to it, so they got a 1 in 365 of getting it right anyway. So, and, and I looked at this website. The Bible guarantees it. So when we take things from the we think category to the we, knew, we know category, we're getting in trouble. So here's what, I'm going to help you with something. So if, if you're watching a TV, you're listening to sermons on, on the internet, and somebody tries to tell you something more definitively than Scripture says it, run away. Turn it off. If, if somebody's trying to tell you something that God revealed to them that's that's not in this book, be careful. Be careful. That's, that's how people sell books. 88 reasons. Maybe I'll... 18 reasons why, you know, Jesus is going to do something cool in, 19, in 2018 and sell a bunch of books. Be, be careful. See with me? There's what we, what we know, what we believe very closely, and then there's some things that we think. Got to be real careful going from we think to we know. So I'm going to give you a little timeline. Now, before they throw that up on the book, on the screen, some of this is stuff that we know. Some of it's something we believe. Some of it's what we think. So I, I hesitated even giving you this, but I'm going to because it's going to help us as we go forward, I'm going to throw this timeline up on the screen. Okay, you ready? You see where we're at? Is it up there? Okay. Where it says present church age, that's us. Here we are. Here we go. Now, what we think will happen next is the rapture of the church. Immediately following the rapture of church is what the Bible calls a seven-year period of tribulation divided into two, three-and-a-half-year periods. The first is uh, the beginning of sorrows, and the second part, the Great Tribulation. And if you want to read what that's all about, we're, we probably won't touch a whole lot of that in the la- next three weeks. Um, it gets really crazy on earth for seven years. After that, the return of Christ. In other words, what we believe is that the rapture of the church and the return of Christ are two different events. The rapture of the church, the church is taken away from the earth, the second coming of Christ is when he establishes his kingdom on this earth. That begins a period of a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. At the end of that is a judgment, and you, you, you may have read it, where 
The devil, his angels, and all the minions are cast into a lake of fire that burns forever. And then we are in our eternal state for now and forever. So there's the timeline. Now there's parts of those things that we absolutely know. Most of it we believe strongly from Scripture. There, there are those that will teach that the, the, the rapture happens halfway through the tribulation point. Okay. Okay. Listen, I don't care. How about let's be ready and not worry about when it happens? Okay. So there's, that's why I hesitate to throw this up a little bit because I want to deal with something today that we know. We'll deal with this timeline a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but today we're going to talk about something that we know, that we absolutely know. We're going to talk about what this world looks like before Christ returns. We're going to talk about what this world may, what's life on earth going to be like before Christ returns. What's our culture going to look like? What's our society going to look like? And we have a very clear picture in in the book of 2 Timothy. Now, here's, here's what we need you to understand too. I told you this is going to be a little academic, but how many know that when when, when the authors of Scripture were writing them, they weren't thinking, hey, 2,000 years from now, there's going to be church talking about this letter. They didn't know that. It was a letter from Paul who was in prison about to die. He's at the last part of his life. To Timothy, a church leader. So these words are to the church. And He gives us a glimpse of what things will be like in the last days. Now, here's what you have to understand. You know when Paul thought the last days were going to be? Any minute now. He had no idea that it was going to be 2,000. How could he have known? And how many of you would agree with me that you've been hearing, well, Jesus could come back any time all of your life? You know why he hasn't? Because everything's not ready. So as we, as, we, as we look at this passage, that's what I want you to do. I want you to understand that, first of all, it was to the church. And it was written in such a way that it wasn't, it, it wasn't designed to be, in Paul's mind anyway, to read 2,000 years later. So it's a beautiful thing when Scripture means something to the people with whom it was, to whom it was written and, and has a completely deeper level prophetically 2,000 years later. So, and I said that to tell you this. It's amazing as we read this, you would think he wrote it yesterday. He said, I'm going to read it and then we're going we're to spend a little time talking about it, okay? But mark this. This is 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. My Bible 
calls that section a description of a godless generation. And I, I disagree with that. This generation has a God. And He's all-powerful. And, and me denying Him can't remove Him. He is all-powerful. And here's what I want to do for just a moment. Is we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. He said, but mark this. In other words, pay special attention. I'm about to tell you something that you need to take your little expo highlighter and pay attention to this. Mark this. Pay attention. Listen up. Focus. Mark this. In the last days, there will be terrible times. King James says perilous times. And, and that, that's, that's a little subjective. Because to some people, a horrible day, a bad day is, you know, when, you know, you're out of K-cups. And granted, that's bad. But that's not the kind of peril, that's not the kind of terrible day he's talking about. He's talking about a day, and, and as we look at that word perilous very carefully, it, it, it seems to lead toward a time when it will be very difficult to be the church. Remember, he's talking to the church. There will be time, there will be a perilous time when it's difficult for you to do what you're doing. There will be, be a time when it's difficult, it's perilous, it will be a terrible time for the church to try to be the church. Then he said, people will be lovers of themselves. Um, take, take a look at these two pictures. Um, this, is, this is a New York magazine from 1978. And they called the, the 80s the me decade. Where we became a very narcissistic, a very me-centered society. And apparently... The me decade gave birth to the me, me, me generation. Now, I will tell you that we live in a selfie-centered society, don't we? Can I tell you a funny story? If, this, if you've done this, then, you know, don't, I'm not beating you up, but it, I, I just thought it was funny. Now, how many know that if you go to the beach, you don't really care about, you know, I didn't shave all week. I wore my Daytona Dwayne hat all week. I, I didn't care. We're sitting there under my tent drinking, you know, my little Diet Mountain Dew. And, and uh, that's what was in that cup, in case anybody was wondering. And Donna said, and now I'm going to tell my wife. My wife is a people watcher. Any other people watchers in the room? My wife is a people watcher. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And I said, what, what, what? She said, uh, the lady's over there with a mirror and her whole makeup kit. And she, it, it was, so we started watching her. <laughs> and she's literally just dolling herself up on the beach. And then her and her husband go and stand in front of the waves and take a big selfie picture. And I thought, you're defeating the purpose. That's not what this is for. But it, do we live in a very narcissistic, me, selfie-centered society? Yeah. Yeah. People will be lovers of themselves. He said, 
lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. Man, I, I saw something a few years ago that, you know, there's those things that happen in your life that you just can't unsee. I was, um, I was driving a school bus, and I'd, I hadn't been doing it very long. And it was early in the year, and I, I was actually talking to Sean about this this past week. And I stopped my bus, and I opened the door, and there's this cutest little kid, six years old. His name was N- No, I don't remember his name. doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, cutest little kid, first grader. Just, and uh, first day or so, no problems. Well, day three, he didn't, he didn't want to get on the bus, which happens. Happens all the time. And so mom is getting frustrated. Next thing I know, mom... Mom's beating the daylights out of this kid at the bus stop. I'm not talking about a spanking. I'm talking about closed fists on his head. And I lost all rational thought. Because the rule is if you step foot off that bus with kids on it, you're fired, Period. I didn't care. I, I got about one step down. She saw me coming toward her, stopped, and I said, no. And I looked at the little kid, and I'm like, it's okay, buddy. Let's, you, you can come on. And so he comes, and he sits down. I, I'm, I'm, y'all know me. I'm, I'm, I'm almost crying. I'm, I was so angry. And my, how do you get to the place where you're beating the snot out of your kid at, at a bus stop. And then I read, in the last days, people will become abusive. Abusive, disobedient to their parents. I wanted to show you a video of some cute little examples of children being disobedient to their parents. But you know what the sad thing is? I couldn't show them in a church. ungrateful not only has our society become thankless and ungrateful we feel like the world owes us something disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy without love I'm going to mess with you a little bit today with this because I really thought let me tell you what, let me tell you what that, how that word breaks down. See, I have it to you in the New International Version. In the, the King James Version, that phrase right there is without natural affection. That phrase only appears in one other place in the entire New Testament. It's in Romans chapter, chapter 1 when Paul is talking about men and doing things that aren't natural. And women doing things that aren't natural. So I don't think it's a reach for us to say that. And by the way, I really thought that that was going to come up in Hot Topics. I thought somebody would say, and I was hoping that it did. That somebody would say, how is a Christian supposed to respond to the homosexuality issue? Because how can we be so right in, in our doctrine and so wrong in the way we respond to it? We don't have time for that. 
But I'm going to tell you that it's not, it's not a reach for us to say that what Paul was telling us, to Tim, what Paul was telling Timothy, that in the last days, those unnatural affections will be on the increase. Is that happening? Unholy, without natural affection, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. King James uses the word incontinent. In other words, some of us got diarrhea of the mouth. No self-control. I really thought you were going to laugh at that. Brutal. Not lovers of the good. Now, what, what we know that Paul was referring to is not lovers of the good like sunsets and kittens. He's talking about a group of people. That people who are trying to follow Jesus wouldn't be loved. Not lovers of the good. He's talking about a group of people, not about, you know, Domino's pizza and nachos. Talking about people, not things. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Listen, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is that our society? And then he says, when you wrap all of this up, here's what it, what it, what it equals. As to having... Now, who's he talking to again? The church. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Here we are. So, I don't like to tell people how to think. Because I don't like people to tell me how to think. It makes me mad when people try to tell me how to think. I consider myself a relatively intelligent human being, as are you. I don't like it when politicians tell me how to think. I don't like it when preachers tell me how to think. So I'm not going to tell you how to think. All I've done is laid out this passage of Scripture, so you tell me, could we be living in the last day? If Paul said, this is the way society is going to look in the last days, could it be? Could we be? Now, you have to decide for yourself. I say yes. And there's this other, in 1 John, there's this other little passive scripture that is challenging to me. Now, if you've studied, you know, any kinds of, or you, you've listened to sermons, or you read the Left Behind books, who read the Left Behind books? They're cool. They're great. They're fiction, but they're cool. John chapter 2, verse 8 says, You've heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. And people have tried to take that passage and think that there's going to be tons of these try to make a distinction between the the person who will be revealed as the antichrist but here's what this here's what i really believe that passage is telling us is that there's going to come a person who will be known as the antichrist i mean that won't they won't introduce him like that 
But there'll be, in fact, I'm, I'm going to read the way John Piper said it. I thought it was, this was brilliant. There's a future Antichrist yet to come, but the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Now, some of you are younger than I am. Some of you are slightly older. Has there ever been a time when there was as much vitriol and anger toward the name of Jesus? Never. Not in my lifetime. Has there ever been a time when people who love God are... are, are, I I don't want to... Let me say it like this. I don't, I don't, I can't remember a time in, in my lifetime when being a Christian, professing Christ, was as emotional of a conversation as it is today. You know why? Because the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth. And I told you the most important thing I was going to tell you. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. The reason some of these scriptures, almost the entire book of Revelation, is cloudy. Some of the scriptures in Ezekiel that, that point toward end time events, it's cloudy, it's figurative. And here's why I believe. Because if If it's too clear, then people start focusing on an event. And and stupid things like what you saw on those billboards show up. But the prophecies of Scripture were never never intended to point to an event. They were intended to point to a person. And His name is Jesus. And and next week, we're going to give you an overview of the book of Revelation. And see, if I were to ask you what the overarching story of the book of Revelation is, you would say, well, it's about end times. It's about heaven. It's about the coming of Christ. No, it's not. It's about Jesus on the throne room of God. And every creature alive and dead before Him, bowing before Him. Can I... I almost read it earlier and I I stopped, but I'm going to anyway. Talk amongst yourselves. Not really. Here's the overarching message of the book of Revelation. Then, this is John. John is on an island of Patmos and he's, he's, Jesus, if you, if I'm just rambling on, I just can't even get my words. My brain's out here, my mouth's still back here. John's exiled on this island. And if you've got an old school Bible, it'll say the revelation of St. John the Divine. It wasn't, the, it wasn't John's revelation. It was the revelation of Jesus. Because Jesus showed up, and here's what he saw. Here's what John saw with his eyes. I saw a lamb looking as, as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the, the living creatures and the elders fell down before the Lamb, 
having a harp and they were full of uh, golden bowls of incense and they sang a new song. Here it is, listen. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's what it's about. It's not about an event. It's about a Jesus that came and loved and lived and died and rose again and is quite alive today. So here's what I need you to understand. As we talk about end times events, we're not talking about an event. Every week, we're going to talk about a person. We're going to lift up Jesus. We're going to make sure that as far as this church is concerned, we're just going to let folks know that it's not about the wins and the what's and the how's of end time scripture. It's about the who, and his name is Jesus, and he's quite alive. So here we are. Uh, could it be? I told you I didn't like to tell people how to think, so I'm not gonna. Don, would you come and, and just play something softly? See, the interesting thing about what I've told you so far is now you have to respond. And I can't tell you how to respond. I can only tell you how I would respond. <laughs> I had this song bounce around in my head this morning. I know there's one person in this room that will know it, maybe two. I would like to quote these very poignant profound words I saw a man with a tat on his big fat belly it wiggled around like marmalade jelly it took me a while to catch what it said cause I had to match the rhythm of his belly in my head Jesus saved is what it raved in a typical tattooed green he stood on a box in the middle of a city claimed he had a dream What would people think when they hear I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find it's true? Can I tell you what I think our response ought to be? If we are, really? If if we really are in the last days, can we just get, can we just become a bunch of Jesus freaks? Here's how I'd respond. Hey, if you're here, how would you live your life if you knew that all this was wrapping up next week? 30 days. How would you live your life if you knew you had 30 days? I'll tell you what you would do. Anything in your life that didn't look like God, you'd get it out of your life. That's what you'd do. Every habit, Every attitude, every action that displeased God, you'd get it out of your life. Every relationship in your life that's broken, you'd make every attempt you had to to reconcile and to fix it. If you knew that, that 30 days from now, every part of your life that didn't look like Jesus, you'd change. That's what you'd do. 
you'd think, hey, there was a time when I was close to God. If you knew that 30 days from now, guess what? You'd get back. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. So here's how I think you need to respond. You can decide for yourself. Here's how Dwayne's going to respond. Whatever's in my life that doesn't look like Jesus, I want it gone. Whatever relationships I have that are broken, I want them gone. And here's what else you do. Every person you knew, even casually, every person that you had an acquaintance with that you didn't think was in love with Jesus, you get on the phone, you get on Facebook, you'd open your email, you'd knock on their door. That's what you would do. So what's our response? Hey, I'm, I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. You guys know me that, better than that. But if what we read is true, if we really are in the last days, we're not promised 30 days from now. We're not promised tomorrow. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to search your heart. I'm just... Hey, I love you. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I'm just really not in the mood to play games this morning. You got to decide today what your response is. It, choosing not to respond is a response. You got to decide. I got to decide today, right now. Are you hearing the urgency in my voice? How are you going to respond to what we've talked about today? You got to decide. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to have an altar call. And I'm going to tell you right now, I told you I wasn't in the mood to play games. So if, if God's dealing with your heart, when I open this altar, I need you to come and come quickly. We're not going to play games. If nobody shows up, we'll pray and go home. But I, I can't help but thinking, nobody's looking around. I, I, I know you do anyway when I say that, but today, just don't look around. I gave you three things. Dwayne, there's things in my life that don't look like Jesus. There's things in my life that I want gone. Attitudes, actions, habits, whatever. I I want them gone. There's relationships is the second thing. if this person passed away and I didn't get a chance to to make things right it would it'd be an an eternal regret for me so there's there's relationships that need to be healed and lastly listen there's somebody in my life that needs Jesus and I haven't done listen this is not about condemnation but I'm just going to throw it out there like this I haven't done my part in helping them come to know him so, just so I know, if, if one of those three things, you got something in your life that doesn't belong, and 
you, you want it gone. You got a relationship that needs to be healed and you need to be the instigator of taking care of that relationship. Uh, number three, there's people in your life that don't know Jesus and you haven't done your part in sharing the love of Christ with them. If, that, if, if you fall into any one of those characters, I want you to put your hand in the air quickly. Quickly. Quickly, 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 quickly. Without hesitation, I need you to come and help me pr- and, and pray. Come now. Come right now. You can kneel around these altars. We'll have people that will come and help you pray. you got to respond. you got to decide. You have to make the choice of what you're going to do with the information you heard today. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I, I, y'all know me. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't let things drag out. But I, I without your heads, I mean, with your heads bowed, I need, I need to just. I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody, and that's. You have to know from my perspective, that's a that's a horrible feeling to have in your heart. That God's dealing with somebody in the room. And He's tugging at your heart. And and listen, nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to judge you. But God's doing something in your heart. And and He wants to... Man, if, if Scripture's taught me anything, it's taught me that Christ came to make things new. So I'm, I'm just going to just hang out here just a minute. If, if that's you, I want you to come on and, and kneel around these altars. Somebody's going to come and will pray with you, but I just, man, if you're here and, and there's stuff that's wrong that you need to make right, man, today's the day. Right now is the right time. Thank you, Lord. I want Kathy and any of our leadership team that's here to come and, and help me pray around the, these altars. If you, if you guys are here, and come on. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're still in the congregation there, would you stretch your hands this way? Mikey, come on too, buddy. Thank you, Lord. God, we believe that you're doing a work in our hearts today. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. We don't know when you're coming back. But we do know that you're here among us today, this morning. So God, would you flood this place with your presence? God, I pray what you would do today. You make some of us Jesus freaks. God, that people that would put you first in all of our life. People that would look to you first for every part of our life. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you do a work Fill these that are here with your presence, with your power. 
Holy Spirit, just baptize these in, in, your, in your love and with your, with your presence and your power. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our hearts and our lives. God, we surrender our life to you. God, the stuff in our life doesn't belong. We, we lay it at the altar today, right now. I don't want it anymore. It's, it, it doesn't look like you. This habit, this addiction, this, this resentment, this hatred, this anger, I lay it at your feet, oh God, because I, I, I want you to take it. It's yours. Take it. My sin, forgive me. God, teach us to mend relationships. Help us to be peacekeepers and peacemakers. And God, do a work in this church. God, as we, as we go into our schools, we go into our places of business, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our communities. God, I pray that the light of Christ shines on us so much. God, we'd be willing to open our mouth. Invite people to come to the house of God. Invite people to come to know who this Jesus is that we're so madly in love with. And God, now in, in the hearts and lives of these that are here in this altar, you do a great work. Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're able and more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you're doing, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the great I am of God. Hallelujah. Holy, holy.